After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high-quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You got to check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. What's happening, guys? Happy Wednesday. And thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome presented to you by DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code CHAIL to get in on all the action. Coming up on today's show, 
John Jones has finally given us some information. Conor McGregor made his mark on Twitter this weekend, and I'll also dive into this Saturday's UFC 273. All of that later. But let's first begin by discussing one of the biggest events the sports calendar has, and it happened this past weekend. WrestleMania. All right, here's what happened. Now, I was into the whole thing, and I get labeled a very big pro wrestling fan. There was a period of time that I considered myself a very big pro wrestling fan, but I, seventh grade, that ended. It might have been the sixth grade that that ended. I came back in college. You had The Rock, and you had Austin. Of course, I followed CM Punk. I mean, you know, it was one of these things. And other than that, you see it when you see it. Can you guys relate to that? I say that for you because I was very into this WrestleMania, but not for the reasons that you would think. I was into this WrestleMania because of how much the UFC and the WWE playbook goes hand in hand. It's very tough to find an example that either organization has done in 20 years that succeeded that the other organization did not quickly come out and do. And this was not a secret. Lorenzo Fertitta, when CEO of the UFC, did an interview, and Lorenzo said, we searched the earth. We looked into every sports franchise business model that existed all the way up to the New York Yankees, and the model that we chose to follow was that of the WWE. So this is not a secret, but some people don't observe that, or they don't remember the interview when Lorenzo did it, or they're big fight fans, and they hate when you even bring up professional wrestling. Now, that's very unique. Like, by example, let's say you took a, a big-name fighter, and you took them and put them front row at a WWE event. Some of the fans might know who it was. The wrestlers probably wouldn't, and the wrestlers who did simply would not care. The opposite goes if you take one of the WWE's guys and puts them in the front row to UFC. All of our fans are going to know all of our fans are going to make them feel uh, welcome. And every fighter is going to hope that that wrestler comes into the back and that they get to meet him. It's different in that regard. Now, the reason I tell you I was interested is the first time ever WWE decided to do back-to-back -back nights for WrestleMania. There was two WrestleManias this year. There was two WrestleManias this weekend. You had one on Saturday. Then you had the traditional Sunday. The reason I wanted to see if this is interesting is because when the numbers come out, if in fact both organizations do take ideas and go back and forth, we could have two mega fights coming up in the near future, which for me as a fight fan would love that. Now, I made that comment to another fight aficionado said, Chael, you're looking at this all wrong. This isn't the UFC going to observe what the WWE did and possibly grab it. This is the WWE finally observed what Dana did three years ago, known as International Fight Week, where Dana ran back-to-back-to-back -back -back nights. Now, I don't know who's right between me and the person that I was arguing with, but I do think that there's a difference. I think there's a very big difference when you were bringing your absolute biggest draws and you evened them out through the weekend. I think that it's very different than if you play the Palms on a Friday night, even if you throw a world title up, versus a pay-per-view at the MGM Grand on a Saturday night. I think they're different. And I think WrestleMania stepping forward, selling 60,000 tickets to both nights and bringing in equal star power for the cards is potentially something different that we could see down the road. Look, every promoter would like to play two shows for one setup cost. Every promoter. You just don't get to do it very often. 
You will see this in the world of music. Garth Brooks, by example, some bitch is so big, he will play the same venue for an entire week and he'll do it twice a day. Came through Portland, played a 3 o'clock show, started another show at 7.30. Every single day, all, sold them all out. So it's not completely a new concept, but I was I just want to see how this was going to go. I want to see what their numbers are. I want to see if it's something that we could look forward to in the future. All right, great. There's my thought. Now, Stone Cold's going to come out. This is a very big deal. Stone Cold has been removed from the sport, I believe, for 13 years. They announced it 11 years. Don't think that you have to correct me. It has been a period of time, but he was serious. He truly was done. He has moved on with his life. He went into show business, and he went into podcasting, and he moved away. And he, I mean, he did all these. He, he quit training, and he, some of the muscles even went away. It's one of those, he moved on with his life. He's 53 years old, 57 years old. He's going to come back. And I'm just wondering, how long has he known, and what's that match going to look like? Stone Cold was one of the wrestlers that I liked the most because I liked the way that he performed. Many people will give Hulk Hogan a hard time and say he didn't know the difference between a wrist lock and a wrist watch. I prefer that. I don't think uh, wrestling should look like cooperation and look like theatrics between two athletes. I think it should look like a fight. It should look and appear like a struggle. And Stone Cold has one of those matches where he can go out, one of those styles of matches. He can go out, throw a kick to your stomach. He can start throwing hands at you. He can start blocking. He can fire back. You hit him. It's not about her and Karanas and who can do a drop kick. I don't know if Stone Cold's ever done a drop kick which is a nerdy thing to do in wrestling anyway. If you're ever in professional wrestling and you find yourself climbing the ropes, you failed. You have to go to that level of athleticism because you're not over any other way. I mean, in all fairness, you need to know that. If you can't go out and have a match like Hulk Hogan and or Stone Cold, you failed. That's okay. Go into that category. That represents most of you. But as you're going up those ropes, know that you're a bit of a dork. Fine. So I was thinking about this going to the match. What kind of shape is Stone Cold going to be in? What kind of shape can you be in? He's got 10 different things going on just that I know about, and I only know because I watch them. I see these different programs. And How much time is he going to spend in the wrestling room? Now, he ended up looking great, and he ended up doing exactly what I'm describing as he went out and got into a, a street fight. He took one bump that was unnecessary that was a suplex on the concrete floor. Stone Cold should not be taking suplexes, and Kevin Owen, who weighs 300 pounds, shouldn't be suplexing anybody. It should all look like a fight. It was the only downspot of the whole match is when they decided to show come to some kind of athletic display and look at us, we're not on a canvas. Well, you dumb son of a bitch, you should have been, because there's one right there. If you're going to do a suplex, why wouldn't you do it in there? Why would you do it out here? the only part that I was upset about. He looked awesome. He looked great, but it's also a style of a match. Not a lot of guys could, could come back and do this, and I'm telling you one of the reasons he could. Now, if you want to be uh, spreading the credit around, you must give it to Logan Paul. Logan Paul was as fine as anybody that was in there all weekend, and this was only the best of the best. Now, that was just his in-ring performance. Logan Paul, much like his brother Jay, they just have it. There's a reason those two worked on YouTube. There's a reason those two were dedicated. They just have it. There's something happening. They can tell a story with facial expressions, which if you can't do, you can't tell a story, which brings you to the low light of the whole weekend, which was done by Vince McMahon. Vince McMahon does not have the athletic pros. Now, I understand this if you're ever acting, okay? If you're ever acting, there's many things that you can do to get yourself on camera, but if you're a good storyteller, you will do it with your face. When they go to Vince, who does not have the athletic prowess, his face is frozen. It can't move. 
I never realized all of the work that Vince had done until they zero on him for WrestleMania and he's trying to tell a story. Now, he has to tell a story with his face and his eyes because he's not speaking into a camera. He has to do that. His face was frozen. It couldn't move. It was the low spot of the entire weekend. It was a huge miss. And one thing that's, that's hard for guys that are in the business of tough guys is not being one. It's hard. And you defer back from a psychological standpoint to high school. Where if you want to get your way and you want to be the boss, if push comes to shove, you got to be able to whip everybody's ass here. Now, an adult male no longer subscribes to that. They will show a respect to your title. Whoever is higher might as well be bigger. Everybody understands that, except for when sometimes when you get guys in the tough guy business, they don't know that. So they don't even any protein. They spend their time in the gym. They're shooting their ass full of steroids. It's one of these really weird things, but it was also the low spot. And I don't think he's going to be able to go back. I'm either going to be right and he will absolutely never return because he wanted to put this tough guy image and he couldn't. I mean, this was bad, guys. This was bad. He got put over by a guy that had only had one match and thank God for, for McAfee. I did not realize that Vince clotheslined McAfee because I did not see it. I knew when Jimmy Smith announced it and told the world. I'm like, okay, it was a close. I accepted it. And the next time Vince did anything was also McAfee running at him and supposedly Vince closed. It was most certainly wasn't a close line, but we're going to call it that. I'm not looking to give him a hard time. This is just a reality. And I guarantee you I'm right. He came out of there and he's having big psychological problems. Going, oh my God, what am I doing? I just showed the world that I don't have it anymore. He's either never going to go back, which is my prediction, or he comes back tonight and tries to write that wrong because that will eat at you. I assure you of that much. You roll over to Lesnar. Lesnar is bigger now than Lesnar ever was. Lesnar's character now is bigger than it's ever been. And Lesnar is having more fun now than Lesnar has ever had. The problem, Lesnar's 44 years old. Taking on Roman, who's 33 years old. Lesnar has to put him over. That's the rule of the business. Fine, we all knew it going in. Ronda has a match. Ronda came out and looked great. Not to mention, Ronda doesn't get enough credit for her ability to adjust. Many people gave Ronda a hard time from our side of the tracks. That when things didn't go her way, she took her ball and go home. That was true. You could give Ronda that criticism. All the acclaim that you gave her, you could give her that criticism. You would be within your limits. You would be stating what you saw and getting your negative energy out to somebody that had it really well. You could do that. But if you stop right there, you haven't told the whole story. Ronda converted which is the dip, most difficult thing that you could ever do. If you're in front of the, the public eye and you can convert and take one audience over here and then excel, that's the rest of the Rhonda story. She took time off. She did what she wanted to do. She became a mother. She became a wife. She went and lived the life that she wanted. And she still got her ass back in shape. She still didn't miss a step. And she still wasn't the jerking the curtain for anybody. So whether, if you're anywhere on the Ronda train, if you're a fan or you're a detractor, if you're going to tell the story fairly, Ronda did an awesome job. And she did not take her ball and go home. She went home for a brief period of time. She licked her wounds and she converted, which is an extremely difficult thing to do. So as I just laid out, there's a lot of crossover between WWE and UFC. And a lot of the fighters this weekend weighed in on WrestleMania, including our sport's biggest star. Conor McGregor came out over the weekend 
and he was waning on the WWE. He just took a shot out there, right? He says, you want to know why I wasn't at WrestleMania? Because they all fear me. It had no con... It was just brilliant. It, it was just the genius at work. That's all that it was. And they took the bait. They were retweet. I didn't even see Connor say this. I saw WWE England retweet it. That's how I saw it. So it all works. It all works. BT. BT Sport. That's what it was. So anyway, when Connor did this, he put out a clip that was him hitting... I don't know what this is called. You know that big bag? It's a round bag, and it, it's double-ended in, in terms of where the coach can put his... But it's that round... I don't even know what it's called. I used to have to hit that every day with Clayton Hires. I hated that bag, but I don't know what it's called. Very difficult workout. But Connor put that out with it. I wasn't at WWE because they all fear me. Connor had put a piece out three to five weeks ago that my eyes told me was the same piece. I'm not positive I'm right. But my eyes told me that it was. And when Connor had put it out three to five weeks ago, everybody, including Jake Paul, weighed in on it saying how bad Connor looked. It wasn't what I saw. I did not think Connor looked bad three to five weeks ago. I rewatched this clip that I think might be the same clip. I could have that wrong. I didn't think he looked bad. I saw a lot of things there. I saw power. I saw timing. I know the level of conditioning. When I tell you this, this apparatus, this is hard. It's really, really difficult. And Connor was doing, you could tell the heart rate and the blood was pumping. You could see the sweat falling. You want to know who I hate to see shadow box. I never lost an all fairs. I never lost a stand-up fight in my life. Never. Zero. Never lost a round. One guy that I could not stand to see shadow box when that would come out on a countdown or a clip or floating around the internet was me. And you guys can probably relate to Do you like to hear yourself sing? Have you ever heard yourself talk? Has everybody ever made a recording? You hear it, but you think your own voice is strange. Like when I'm shadow right here for you guys, I'm nice and slow. Look at my rhythm. My shoulders are rolling. I'm going to come with a jab. Oh, look at me. I dipped outside so I can dig to the body. I rolled back under. It feels perfect. I feel like I'm Floyd as I do it. When I see it back, you don't ever be on your feet. You don't know what you're doing. It's one of these things. When I see Connor doing it, though, I saw a powerful guy. I saw his body. He had his shirt off. I looked specifically at his belly, which was lean as can be. You want to know what's unhealthy? You want to know what will look unhealthy? It's Connor McGregor at 145 pounds. We never thought anything of it at the time. He was a 145 pounder. He never complained. He never went to press conferences and talked about how hard it is to make weight the next day. Never said anything after the fact. Never said I'm leaving the weight class. We never thought anything of it. Go back and look at him right now. Type it in. Type it into Google. Conor McGregor, weighing in, 145 pounds. It's unhealthy looking. He is incredibly skinny. He moves up to 155. We all wonder if he's going to be big enough. This was a story going in. He, at one point in time, was the underdog to RDA based just on size. He wasn't big enough. That's what people had come to the conclusion of. They did a face-off. They were both in suits. They were at a press conference. They're both holding belts. And Connor looks significantly small. Then he goes all the way up to 170 pounds. Now I see him hitting this thing. He's claiming that he weighs 190. You want to know I saw in this clip where Connor's hitting the bag? I'll tell you what I did not see. I did not see 155-pounder. That's what I didn't see. I don't know what Connor's getting ready to do. Connor is telling a story. Connor is a great storyteller, which is what a great marketer is, which is what a great promoter is, and nothing else. 
Connor decided to invoke himself into the WWE's orbit, which worked, which a national broadcast resent and made it to Chale in Westland, Oregon. It worked. But he's telling a story, and he decided to include a visual component of him training. What are we supposed to get from that? It wasn't by accident. He wasn't in a hurry. Connor does his own tweets, by the way. Not everybody does. People turn him over to managers. They're not into, I'm into tweeting, but some people aren't. It's one of those things. Connor's doing that. That's Connor. And Connor chose to attach this clip. What am I supposed to get out of that? I was supposed to get something. And maybe I have the wrong thing, but maybe I don't. So there's a lot of things I could say about that clip. There's a lot of things I could see in that clip. A lightweight wasn't one of them. And it is interesting. If you go back to the last interview that Connor gave, which was exactly two weeks ago, he did not associate himself with Charles Oliveira. He did not associate himself with Volkanovsky, who, by the way, had just called him out. He associated himself with Kamara Usman at 170 pounds. And many of you welcomed that, and many of you brushed that off. I'm just here to tell you, based on the limited evidence we have, which is Connor saying, I want to fight Kamara, and I want to do it at 170, in conjunction with, I mean, a picture's worth a thousand words. I have a picture of Connor. That's not a lightweight. That doesn't mean he can't be. That doesn't mean four months from now he won't be. It's speculative. It's conversation. It's not for me to say. Connor put the piece out. He was attempting to tell a story. I've come to my interpretation. I'd love to hear what yours is. Now, coming up next, I'll transition out of WWE and move on to UFC. That's in a moment, but first, I want to tell you about some of today's sponsors. Can you guys believe it? Spring is finally here, and it's almost time to get back to that feeling of grass between our feet while we hang out in the backyard playing with the kids. But before we can get that feeling, we need to get our lawn back, thankfully. Today's show sponsor, Sunday, gets your lawn growing and helps you to keep it healthy all season long. Sunday can help you grow a beautiful lawn without the guesswork or nasty chemicals. Their custom plans include fertilizer and everything you need to easily care for your lawn and with ingredients like seaweed, iron, and molasses, you can feel good with your kids and pets being around. All you have to do is visit GetSunday.com. You're going to put in your address and their lawn analysis tool does the rest. They put together a personal nutrient plan and then deliver it to your door when you need it. Just attach the ready-to-use pouch to a garden hose and spray. Guys, it takes less than 15 minutes. Best of all, this stuff really works. And today, Sunday is offering our listeners 20% off. Full season plans start at just $129, and you can get 20% off at checkout when you guys visit GetSunday.com slash That's 20% off your custom plan at GetSunday.com slash Two titles are up for grabs on a stacked UFC 273 fight card. Join the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the UFC. And today, new customers can bet $5 
on any fighter and get $100 in free bets, win or lose, it is a guarantee if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on all the excitement. Everyone can play for a share of millions in prizes with DraftKings Daily Fantasy MMA Contest. Just draft your lineup of fighters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for strikes, takedowns, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code CHAIL. Throw down $5 on UFC 273 and get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's code CHAIL this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. 21 and older. Restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Johnny Bones weighed back in. Now, we do not have very much evidence that John Jones versus Stipe is going to happen, and I used to think we did. I've been on record telling you guys that fight is going to happen. That fight is going to happen next for both of them. And the only thing yet to be disclosed by me to you as the detective who's been assigned to this case is that they fight for the interim championship or they fight for the undisputed championship. Now, as each day goes by, what is the holdup here? There's something, and it's not that. I made the proclamation for you guys that that fight is done. They're going to be next. They're going to be next for each other. It's going to be later this year. Might even be International Fight Week. But the only thing stopping it is to find what championship they're going to fight for. John Jones did an interview over the weekend. And John Jones said, I'm in training camp. I want to be in peak performance by June or July. Absolutely no discussions have gone on yet by the UFCI and a contract for my next fight. He's telling the truth. He's not playing with the media. He doesn't have a fight. And he went a step further to tell us that those conversations and dialogue have not even started. Now, he's in training camp. I A guy's in training camp forever the hell long he says he is. That's how training camp works. Like, you don't have to walk through a certain door and you, like, put a certain check on a calendar or you have to achieve said workout. A lot of training camp is very mental. I mean, I'll share for you, for me it was. I went to practice every single day at 3 o'clock, but I wanted eight weeks of training camp. So I would put on my, one of those days is when it started. I did, Nothing was different in my life. I had to start thinking about getting into the weight cut routine. I did two things different when training camp started. If I was tired, Outside of camp, I would stop. If I needed a round off, you'd take a round off. And at Team Quest, we were allowed to do that. Coaches yelling, everybody's going everybody's to pick a round somewhere here and they're going to recover. I would take those rounds off. Once camp started, I would not. And secondly, if I got taken down, outside of camp, if I didn't want to work hard enough to get back to my feet, I wouldn't. Once that calendar set, eight weeks before, I got up off the bottom every single time. But those were the only two things that I did different. And those are mental. Those are psychological. And I think that you guys will accept how I just explain that. So when I tell you a guy's in training camp, whatever the hell he says he's in training camp, there's not actually a physical thing he has to do. There's some kind of a mental switch that he makes. John's been in training camp for two years. This is like Guinness Book style stuff. Nobody has ever been in training camp for this long. Now, this isn't where I'm taking my usual opportunity to kick John Jones. It's very legitimate. John had to do about nine months just to bulk up. 
And that's extremely relevant. This is one of the reasons that I, I am so into, and I keep calling it the experiment, but this hasn't been done before. We have seen plenty of people change weight classes for whatever reason. And generally when somebody goes up in weight, they're either at just this age, whereas we all know as human beings, we don't typically get smaller with time. And generally we don't even get tougher with time. So as you start to have said time with digression of mental toughness, you quit trying to beat the scale the day before you start going up. And wait, we see it all the time and you get mixed reviews. It's not, it's not always a bad thing. Not always a good thing. John did this willingly post 30 years old and was so serious about it that he walked away from a world championship and the contract that comes with defending said championship. He was committed. He proved it right there. He never left the USADA pool. He didn't take a fight. He had his back and forth with the organization. Nobody's been fighting as long as John Jones that doesn't have that period of time. And then he brings us all along the journey through his Instagram page. He wants to get to 240. That is the magic number. He gets to 240. But it's very relevant you understand this. When I say he had to set roughly 10 months aside, you have to be very careful. Very few people will ever be tasked with this. Some of you out there that got into bodybuilding or football, okay, maybe. Anybody else, very unlikely that you've ever purposely with a goal in mind, try to gain weight. It is a very difficult thing to do. As annoying and difficult as it is to lose weight, it is just as annoying and just as difficult to gain it. And it's particularly hard for an athlete like John Jones. Because you can read all the books until you're blue in the faces. I've written a book on nutrition. Nothing trumps calories into calories out which is why it's very tough for an active athlete who has to go to about eight practices a week, hard, intense, sometimes closer to 10. It's just, where are you going to get those calories? You can stop at every drive through to and fro practice. There's not enough hours in the day to keep eating food. Now, here's what you have to do. You got to quit training as hard. And anybody that's ever gained weight, again, you take take somebody with kind of a bodybuilding style, whether that was for football or a different sport or just something that you wanted to do. If you do less cardio, which just means you burn less calories, you can gain weight, but that's not the kind of weight that you want. That's where it gets very tricky because John looks good. I've only seen him with shirts on. I followed his Instagram. I saw those training things. I saw him at the Hall of Fame. He looked really good, better than he did at 205 pounds. There's not many of us that could say that. There's not many of us that could go put on 35 pounds post 30 years old and look better. So then it comes, well, how'd you do it? I mean, if you cut back on the train, I know that has to be a part. I don't know what John did. I'm guessing, but I know some things that he had to do. You got to cut down on the training. So instead of going in twice a day, now you're going in once a day. But instead of doing cardio like you would with MMA, and that could be mitts, that could be bag, that could be ropes, all of the stuff that comes along with this sport, that could be a grappling set. Instead of that, you're doing very heavy lifting of weights, taking in the protein, you're beating your calories, you put on the weight. But then, same people that are getting ready for bodybuilding shows that have to do something like this will then take that off because they call it bad weight. You cannot gain muscle without gaining fat. You have to gain both. Once you achieve that and gain both, you then can remove the fat. It's a very hard process. It just takes time. Which I think explains why John Jones has been in the longest training camp ever, which is two years, and now he's talking about he's got another half a year before he gets in there. 
wants to be in peak shape. There's a lot to it. And I come back and I still maintain, as I said a moment ago, I'm into this experiment. Nothing like this to this level has quite been done before. And moreover, whatever it is that is delaying, because see, there's good news and bad news with what John Jones said. He made one statement. He said, we have absolutely no talks with the UFC about a contract. That's different. I think that's good. If you're in the school that I'm in that you want to see John's and you want to see, you want to see John and you want to see Stipe, having absolutely no talk is different than we're talking about somebody and we can't come to terms. It's basically just saying I'm waiting for the phone call. John Jones knows as well as we know, Stipe is the likely match. It's the one that we want. Whatever's got that thing held up. I'm starting to lean more to the idea that my original premise was not true, that it's not just about what are we going to call a championship. It's the same belt, but are we going to call it the interim belt? It's the same belt, are we going to call it the undisputed belt? I feel as though something else is getting in the way, and that could be easily explained. That could be dates, that could be venues, that could be calendars. There's a lot of logistics that have to come together, but stand by. Stand by. John's now speaking up. John now did this interview. That's the first step in any big fight getting announced. Let's see where this goes. So it's another pay-per-view week with UFC 273 going down live this Saturday out of Jacksonville, Florida. I want to spend the rest of the show talking about the event and some of the matchups and storylines I'm most looking forward to. We're starting to get to predictions. And Michael Bisping was doing a piece. He gave his prediction on Chemayev versus Burns. Bisping is taking Chemayev. Now... A lot of people are. As a matter of fact, there was only three, four, five people that weighed in on this over the weekend, but one of them was Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva took Burns, and the only reason I know that Anderson Silva was one of them is he was the only one that took Burns. Now, if we look at this, that's not very critical thinking, is it? It's not very critical thinking to take Chemayev. I mean, you've got a checklist. Anybody that you ever pick, anybody that you would ever part your money with to bet on, you're going to have some form of a checklist, and every fight, every match, every week, it's going to be the same list, but you can't check very many boxes for Chemayev. I mean, we were start to, start to say, who can go into championship rounds? Who can go later in the fight? Who can go 10 minutes into a fight? Who can go when he's hurt? Who can be on bottom and scramble out? Who can take punches and come back? Who can adjust in between rounds? I mean, any way that you want to do it, it's Burns. Anything that we have ever seen would lead you to believe it burns. But again, Anderson Silva's the only one that I saw publicly picking Gilbert. So here's the thing about it, guys. And here's the thought that I'm trying to get out. Because you're thinking the same thing and you're thinking Chemayev. I have not given my prediction. I'll bring that to you later in the week. But in all fairness right now, I see it too. Other people have criticized Chemayev and even refused to fight him. Refused to fight him because he wasn't ranked high enough. But on the back of that argument somewhere, they made the statement, he's a media creation. Two things can be true at the same time. Chemayev could be a media sensation and creation. And if you can get on that train, don't ever get off. 
you did something really good and you're the chosen one in each era, each four to five years, somebody comes along that caps your imagination and that just might be true mind. However, you can be a media creation and be awesome. You can do both. Like they don't disqualify each other. One thing that I will have to turn to is I have seen guys on what's called a roll. They just, they get hot. I've seen it at tournaments as wrestlers where somebody performs way outside of their shoes. They're ranked number 20 in a 30-man bracket, and they find themselves in the finals. And to get there, they beat guys that they've never beaten before, and they never end up beating again. They just get hot. Certain things just start to happen. And I've seen it in fighting, and I've seen it bite people in the ass. Now, it bites them for the same reason which is when you get used to something that should be really, really hard, but it wasn't. It wasn't three times in a row. Well, three times in a row represents 14 months in this sport. So now you got over a year that the hardest thing that you've ever signed up to do wasn't. I've seen people get five in a row where it wasn't just skill. They had some good matchmaking. When you look back, yeah, the matches were pretty favorable, things like that. But then they'll catch somebody. Somebody will slip. I've seen people come across the ring, their knee, something happens. They fall down. Nobody even touches each other. And the fight's over in the very first round. And you guys have seen this too. And you can get four and five and six and seven. And not just your big stars. Not just your Ronda Rouseys. Not just your Frank Shamrocks. Not just your Hosmut Chemayevs. I've seen it on the regional scene. I've seen guys where everything's going great. But they're down at the YMC, they're down at the dog park, some local shows that we have around my area, some of them my own teammates, and they get on one of these rolls, they get hot, they get a hot hand. And then they find themselves in a situation, sometimes on paper, that was supposed to be the easiest of all of the hands they were dealt. It turns out to be the hardest and things fall apart very quickly. I have no evidence to conclude for you that that represents Chemayev. I just have good historical data to tell you that every match is different. And in my mind, the buck stops at Gilbert Burns. I do not believe at 170 pounds, you can beat Gilbert Burns and not find yourself in a title fight next. I do not believe at 170 pounds, you could beat Colby Covington and not find yourself in a title fight. Even if that was not the plan going into it. Even if it was never stated this is a number one contenders match, I don't think you could beat either one of those absolute studs and be anything but shined up so much that you go into a main event for the belt. That's what I think. Now, when it comes to Chemayev and you have Bisping winging in, Bisping is very open about the concept that I'm speaking to which is we haven't seen a ton from him in the ring. And Daniel Cormier waited on this too, just to give you names that you'll be able to recognize over the weekend. And Daniel said the same thing. We don't have a ton of data from Hazmat Chemayev. Daniel loves that he says, I'm going to smash everybody and then gets him out of there in the first round, that he calls his own shot, then go ahead and does it. And one time did it twice in a week. I do too. Like, that's pretty cool for me. There's something special here. But on his feet, I've never seen him hit. On his feet, I've never seen him kicked or kicked out. It'd be a big deal, as small as that might sound. When somebody throws a kick, how does he react? Is he an offensive counterfighter where he throws straight down the middle? Right? He's Tim Sylvia against Rico Rodriguez. Is he a defensive fighter like Venom Page where he's blinging a block up and trying to hook? I mean, it really matters. Does he flinch and he doesn't know what to do? 
As simple as that is that I just told you, well, I don't know how he reacts when he kicked his throat. Out. But that's how little I know. I don't know. Does he do better with orthodox or southpaw? I don't know. I saw him one, throw one punch on his feet. I've never seen him throw a knee. I've never seen him do an elbow. I don't He's If he's dynamic and he's got a wheel kick somewhere in the arsenal, I don't know. He threw one punch. It landed. The guy went down. The fight was over. Three other times I saw him hit a double leg, and I liked them. They were aggressive. I for sure am impressed with his conditioning. How do you say that, Shale? He's never gone a full five minutes. Well, but he's done some other stuff. Your confidence is going to come from one thing. It's not going to come from your power. It's not going to, how many pull-ups can you do? How much can you bench press? It's not, your confidence will come from one thing, which is your level of conditioning. There is nothing on fight night when they, when you leave that locker room, whether you're going to believe in yourself or think, well, going to need a few things to go my way because I'm not sure I earned it. There is nothing that will make you make that decision internally more than the level of shape that you're in. And when I have seen Chamayev be so confident, even smiling when he's going to the ring, I mean, there's good actors out there. He's not, he's happy to go do his job. But when he picked up the number 10 ranked fighter in the world, which was his last fight, early in the contest where every other fighter is saving every single breath, every action and every moment in case they need it towards the end of the evening. He's in that same moment against the number 10 ranked guy, lifts him off the ground, and decides to have a conversation with Dana White. I am telling you, that is not just good TV. That is confidence. And you only get confidence one way. You got to be in goddamn good shape. So as much as a leap as you think perhaps Chael is making by, by just giving him a pass on the conditioning test, I'm giving him a pass. And every other fighter that hears this will agree with what I just said. You cannot that be sure of yourself. You cannot be in a tussle and you're in the very first scramble of a fight against a ranked guy and you're not even beating him yet. You haven't blocked him. You haven't blued him. You haven't got a round or two under your belt. You're in the opening scramble and you decide to use your energy to hold him in the air, which is hard for anybody. You're going to go pick up 170 pounds, just hold it there, and then go and have a conversation with somebody. It's very interesting. I think that the guy's in good shape. I know Bisping is influenced greatly by what Darren Till tells him, but in all fairness, that's how these things work. Anybody that's ever had a reputation ever where it carries you from the playground all the way to the octagon. But that's how it started. Somebody else that was a tough guy said, that guy's a tough guy. That's how it works. So it's an interesting match. Make no mistake. You're going to want my prediction, but I want to hear yours too. But before you make it, and before you go along with the choruses that are saying Chemayev, before you do that, take a moment to go through your internal checklist. The same one that you do every single time, every single week, the same one that you're going to do for multiple fights on this specific card. Take a look at that list and then tell me objectively that you still believe based on evidence that you've previously seen who's going to win this fight.
To close out today's program, I want to circle back to one of the biggest storylines surrounding UFC 273. And honestly, it's a storyline I certainly never expected to tell you about. I was talking to you about comments that Daniel Cormier made over the weekend about Hazmat Chamaya, but another thing that the Big Bear said. Chamaya's got what the media has labeled a bromance with Darren Till. These guys are best of friends, and I think they're living together, or at least they're when they travel, they're staying together. They're going grocery shopping together. Michael Bisping told this story about them driving through traffic, and they're on the wrong side of the road. And he didn't know if Chemiah was a reckless driver, if Chemiah just didn't know the rules in North America that we drive on this side. Either way, every everywhere they go, you're hearing about both of these guys together. At the last fight there was at, there was a cameo. They're both in the front row and they're sitting together. There's just something about this relationship. They're also documented. I've seen things on YouTube. You're seeing these guys together. You know about this. Now, Daniel weighed in on that. Listen to what he was talking about. It's a very interesting topic because Daniel said it's a mistake. He said, I love it. I'm sure both guys are great guys. I'm sure they're having fun. Daniel wasn't putting them down in the least. He just said from a marketing standpoint that it's a mistake that Chemayev should remain mysterious now. Here's the question. I'm going to ask a question to myself. Do I agree? Generally, yes. And in the short term, Daniel is right. There is something about Chemayev in broken English barely being able to communicate with the audience. And he can bring them to their feet in two to three sentences. There is something about him being unknown and being a mystery always works. Give you guys the same example every time. But the reason the great Paul Heyman speaks for Brock Lesnar, according to Vince McMahon, and people that know Brock, Brock's a very smart guy. He's, a, he's even a gracious guy. He's got a great character. But according to Vince McMahon, monsters don't talk. And for 22 years, they've been able to sell out the biggest arenas in the world with Brock Lesnar to just go out there and be a monster. Now, before any of you think you have to update me and that I haven't been watching wrestling in the nine months, I know I haven't watched a lot of it in the last nine months, and I do know that Brock has a new character. Brock doesn't have Paul with him, and Brock is now doing his own talking, and Brock is bigger than he's ever been. I get that. Sometimes it goes the other way. But the calculation of Vince McMahon is still very relevant. And I still want you to know that monsters don't talk. Okay, great. That's it. As simple as that. I give the Brock example because I'm well aware that in the last cycle, leading up even to this weekend's WrestleMania, of which Brock headlined, he is now talking. Look, it ended up being a great surprise. Turned out Brock was great. I'm more into the character than ever. And I'm, I'm definitely a mark. But sometimes I think I'm right anyway. I think that Brock on a human level is enjoying his career now more than he ever has. At least for me as an audience member, that's what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a guy for the first time ever, looks like he wants to be there. I'm seeing a natural smile and laughter in the face and even within the eyes of Brock Lesnar that I have never seen in front of camera before. I've seen it off camera. You won't meet people that have met Brock off camera that say anything bad about Everybody likes Brock. But Vince didn't think you could tell that story the same, not to mention if you have a monster who turns out to be a really nice guy, does it work? According to Vince, it didn't. And for 20 years, they did damn good business. I'm seeing the same, the same exact point that Daniel Cormier is making about Shemaev. And in the short term, it could hurt. It could. 
Shemayev is massive right now. Where do you go once you're massive, right? That is basic biology. Anything that is red hot can only cool off. So when you got something that's working, even Vince McMahon didn't want to change directions with Brock. He squeezed that juice for 20 years till some bitch was 43 years old before he took the risk of changing, which I admit ended up working. But I think Daniel's point is still very valid. Why would you change anything which of my is it's working? And then Daniel went a step further to identify for you what it is you like, whether you know it or not. You like that you don't know him. You like that you're not seeing all these great things. You like that they're coming from the Michael Bispings, from the Darren Tills, from the Latifis, from the Alexander Gustafsons of the world. You like the rumors. You like the reputation. One other one that I saw to talk about monsters and they don't talk, but was Francis Ngannou. And Francis did not do very many interviews and I didn't want him to. Don't. He for sure went under the category of mysterious. He for sure goes into the category of a monster. He's a physical specimen. I've always wanted to look like Francis Ngannou. Francis started talking roughly a year ago. And I did a very similar statement on Francis Ngannou as Daniel just did on Chemaev. I said, he needs to stop. This is a mistake. He is red hot. He's missing why people like him. Francis, it was like a Brock Lesnar. Right? They got Brock wrong for 20 years. I got Francis wrong. It turned out that he did better, that he had a personality, that there was something there, that we got to know him more. But in the short term, it was not helpful. So if that's what Daniel's talking about, that's all a matter of how it plays out. Just because the Brock worked out or just because Francis turned out to be a really likable guy, we don't know. We don't know. The stories of him driving on the wrong side of the road and Bisping telling him to pull over and he wants out of the car. And this... You may not even know that that you like about him. You like about Shemayev that you don't know about Shemayev. You like about Shemayev not what you've seen. You've only seen the guy for four minutes. The guy's only been in there for four minutes. You like that he's mysterious. You like that his English is broken. You like that you're not totally sure if what you heard is what he meant to say. Daniel Cormier makes a point. Now, this is an experiment, like anything. Anything in life is hindsight 2020. An X amount of period of time has to go by and you look back and you see. But I'm going to remember that Daniel said this. Because I agree with Daniel. I agreed with Vince when it came to Brock. I agreed with myself when I said it about Francis. I admit I got that one wrong. Let's see. Is more Chemayev better than less Chemayev? All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. If you enjoyed it, and you know that you did, why don't you head over to Apple Podcasts, leave us a review like the one I just got from Edward that reads, best way to start my day. Well, thank you, Edward. And thanks to all of you for listening. I hope you come back on Friday for my official predictions of UFC 273. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. Welcome.